One more time, let's just lift our hearts to the Lord and let's give him praise. Lift your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this precious week. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you've done. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we praise the Lord today. We serve only one God. We know his name. His name is exalted above all names. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and let's exalt his name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated just for a moment. I want to mention a couple things. It's been an amazing week, and we trust that you've been blessed this Thanksgiving, you and your family. Uh, we've just experienced the largest and most anointed exalt song fest ever. We do this every year, but this year we didn't know if we'd get them all in the building. We had a tremendous service, and I would like to, uh, for us to express our appreciation to uh, brother and sister French, they've slipped out, but let's put our hands together and thank them for putting Exalt together one more time and blessing us and the entire Exalt team, and uh, we thank them for all their hard work. Now, sister French became very ill and uh, had to miss Exalt, so that, that tells you how sick she was. And then she was hospitalized for a couple days, which was uh, a little scary. And uh, she had a very, I'll just describe it. I'm, since I'm a medical doctor, I'll describe it. She had a very potent virus that uh, was uh, doing crazy things. But God did his wonders. How many know we serve a wondrous God? And she's recovered and she's right here. She's here today. And I'm thrilled that she's in service uh, here, here today. Can you say Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like us to turn to the book of Acts. I want to talk today. I want to preach something. Uh, a few years ago, I did a series on Acts, and I've been just itching to uh, get back to Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> now, we, uh, we are very word-oriented here, so we're just going to stand one more time for a moment as we read. So this will give you a little, a little uh, keep you awake. If you didn't have all your coffee, this will help you out. We're turning to Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. I'm going to read uh, a, a series of verses here, just the very beginning of Acts chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to read this extended portion. I'm not sure if I'll read all of it, but let, give me a moment. Here we go. Verse 1 now. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex. Everybody say vex. Certain of the church. In other words, he, uh, he the word vex here comes from the Greek word that means to do violence. In other words, they were there was fear that was sent throughout the churches. And he, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Verse 2, he killed James. So you can imagine here you have the leaders of the church. Jesus was crucified. And now the church has been growing, people getting the Holy Ghost. And James is killed by the sword. That, that's another way of saying he was beheaded. And because he saw it, pleased the Jews, verse 3, he proceeded further to take Peter also. So the devil was bold. And then in parentheses, the Bible says in the King James Version, then were the days of unleavened bread. Verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, that is Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadernians of soldiers to keep him. That's 16 men. Now just imagine one preacher and 16 men to hold him. That's what they did. 
So they released him to these, uh, to these soldiers, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. <clears throat> Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer. Everyone say, but prayer. Hallelujah. He was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, and when say would have, when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. They were so nervous about it that they made the soldiers stay on both sides of him. Bound with two chains. Hallelujah. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. In other words, every bit of that is showing us that Herod was so nervous about what he was doing. But God came in just in the nick of time. Does anybody know that we serve an on-time God? When it seems impossible, God knows what he's doing. Somebody's discouraged here today, but God is here to show you and to speak to your heart. He's able to take care of your situation. Verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. And a light shined in the prison. Number one, an angel came. A light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. That is, he hit him and raised him up, aroused him from his sleep, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. So the angel was saying, Come on, you can't do this slow. If we're going to get this done, you've got to follow me. And the, verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment. By the way, that's a good idea. Christians need to dress right, even in the middle of the night. And so he said, the angel said, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Hallelujah. Verse 9. Here we are. And this is it. He went out and followed him. He followed the angel. And here's a little interesting King James authorized version translation. And wist not. I don't think many people use this language anymore. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. That is, he did not know if it was true, meaning was it, that's the Greek word for real. Was this really happening, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Would you put your Bibles down? I'm going to give you my title in just a moment. But would you lift your hands with me and ask God to anoint his vessel of clay here today and anoint every heart in this place? Could you do that right now? Hallelujah, Jesus, we thank you right now because you're in this place. Lord, we thank you because someone today is here to receive something from heaven. Hallelujah. Lift us, oh God, into your presence. You're powerful. And the enemy is a liar and cannot stop your power and your mighty deliverance. Someone's crying out for your help today. Someone is wondering if it's even possible. Show them your power, we ask. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Put your hands together and say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. And, and you may be seated. Now, uh, I, I know the Lord revealed to me that we'd have a lot of people here today that, that over ate on Thanksgiving, and you'd be very very uh, tired and ready to set back. No, actually, of course, that's, that's just not even funny. But, but the truth of the matter is we're heading into the holiday season, and, and uh, 
And so people have their minds on many things. We have folks all over the world right now. Folks are just coming and going, and that's as natural as can be. But in the house of God, how many knows that we we need to hear what God has to say to the church? And uh, we don't just have holidays. We have church. Hallelujah. And so today I want to speak to you about Acts chapter 12 and this miracle. Now, in this world of self-sufficient sin, a, a world where people are filled with themselves, And they think they have the answers and trust in gadgets and human intellect. More and more hearts are left wondering if there is even a God, if there is a God. And if so, if there is a God, what is he like or or is he just way off somewhere and so on? Because these have been bantered around for centuries. There's nothing new about that. But the age in which we live, what is happening again to the human culture is that they're becoming self-absorbed and believe themselves to be almost divine. You are in the midst, though, of an apostolic church that believes in the supernatural power from above. We believe that God is in this place. You say, well, you're, you know, you're jumping around and, and uh, you're waving your hand and, and you're excited and people are singing and, and they're dancing and so on. By the way, we believe in dancing before the Lord. We believe in praising God with all of our might. But none of this is a show. No, no, I'm, I'm not raising my voice for a show. Woo! That's not a show. No, no, this is praise unto God. Someone said, well, I praise God uh, my own way. And so that's what they do. They praise God their own way. Well, this is how we praise God. We praise God as the Bible says. They worship. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, they even thought they were drunk. They were so overcome with the power of God. Apostolic means doctrine is uh, at the center as handed down by or to the apostles by Jesus himself. In other words, we believe if Jesus said it, go in the upper room, Terry, till you be endued with power. We're not ashamed of it. We believe in it. You can have the Holy Ghost. And we're Pentecostal, meaning that God lives in us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Does it make us better than other people? Does it make us above other people? No, it does not. But we do speak in tongues. We have the power of God, and it changes our lives. We baptize in Jesus' name and none other name. We repent of our sin, and we leave that sin at the altar. We're made holy by the experience of the divine. We are changed by that. That's what, in case you were wondering what apostolic means. So we are apostolic because God's design is that we become new creatures. For example, I was raised by a dad that was an alcoholic. But one day, years and years into it, and the, and the family was all ripped apart and married and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came down. And dad got the Holy Ghost at a bar stool because God is the God that is able to change the design of our lives now let me assure you the devil hates the church more than anything in this earth he does not want you to believe in the power of God he wants you to think now you folks will kick a ball all over a field and they'll dance all over the floor and nobody thinks that's bizarre whatsoever but if you raise your hand call 911 That's the world in which we live. If you live holy and you don't dress like some uh, ungodly something, oh my goodness, what are these people doing? But I want to assure you that the devil's hatred cannot stop the church. This is seen in Herod's persecution of the early believers. 
for political points, Herod, and I'm, anybody here getting sick to death of politics? I'm about as sick to death as I can get of it. For, for political points, Herod killed one of the great preachers of the church. He thought he would do it, and he, I'm king, and he killed James with a sword. Had him killed by the sword, as the King James translates it. In other words, they beheaded one of the great leaders of the church. I want to tell you something, what that does to my, what it does to my spirit. You think I'm wound up. I want to tell you, if you think you're going to stop God's church, you are sadly mistaken. You will never stop God's church. I was in England working on my PhD, and one of them said to me, I was at the, uh, the big hall there. Of course, it's the large, second largest university in, in Europe. And, uh, and uh, of course, I'm a the, uh, in theology, and this fellow came up and said, and so who are you? Not quite just like that, but anyway. And I said, I'm Talmadge. I'm from America. 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 And what denomination are you with? Because I was in the religion school philosophy, and the university is just a massive university, but they have this amazing center where they study Pentecostals. And because I'd done my work at Billy Graham Center in, in Chicago, and they, they brought me in, had a meeting, and said, hey, we read your book. Uh, we entitled our, our God is One, and we want you to come to England, and we, we want you to keep doing that research because you, you're describing things we never knew. And what we were doing was we were locating all the places in the world where people are getting baptized in Jesus' name. I want to tell you, folks, I'm going to say it right now. The fastest growing church on this planet is a Jesus' name baptizing church, and they're getting the Holy Ghost in communist nations, in Muslim nations all over the world. And I had, a, I had a, a, a meeting with some of the faculty, and I said, well, they wanted to know some of the hot spots where, where oneness people were. I'm, we're talking, you know, it takes people 30 years to build a church. But in these last days, it's like the Holy Ghost is falling in, in places where it's illegal to even be a Christian. People are reading the Bible and seeing that they ought to be baptized, and they're getting baptized. And, and I mean, literally by the millions. I preached, Sister French, was I there in Ethiopia when they had their big convention? They had one million people at their convention, and the dead were raised, and limbs were open, legs stretched out, and arms opened up. They said, You got to come to England, and you got to tell us about some of this research. So uh, he said, and who are you? I can't quite get his accent. I can't do accents. I'm just acting up. But uh, Sister French is like, oh, don't do another accent. But it was something like that. Who are you? But you have to hold your head a certain way. And I said, well, what denomination are you? He said, well, I'm Pentecostal. Ooh. Oh, really? Well, yes. Oh, really? Are you with the Assemblies of God? No. I used to be. Well, what are you? Well, I'm a Jesus name Pentecostal. You're getting right here on campus. Well, yes. Been here for months. I'm weeks. I'm in the PhD program. What? You mean 
people that speak in tongues are in our PhD program? I wanted to, <laughs> you know, you want to have a little fun with folks like that, but uh, I said, oh, yes, they're all over the place. Hallelujah. You see, folks, you can deny God. You can, you can reject God. You can think that you have all the answers in your carnal, earthly hopes and dreams, but you cannot stop the move and the power of God. You cannot stop God. And that's exactly what Herod's, the message Herod received. He thought he was so smug because he killed James to strike fear in people. I remind you that God could have delivered James. Hallelujah. In this evil world, we won't understand it all till the by and by, but God is evil. Just because your baby's sick doesn't mean that God isn't able to touch him. God can do more than he does. But we are in a sinful world. God used a little pizzazz. That's a little Italian. I thought I'd throw that in. Put a little pizzazz into the story. Now, I know some of you would think, well, why didn't God do what J James is dead? James, the great preacher. James, the man of God. Why would God, oh, why would God allow it to happen? And God said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to put a little, uh, I'm going to put a little amazement into all of this so that my hurting church, somebody that needs to see this because they look around this evil world and they see the, what's happening to people. Christians, you don't, may, maybe not keep, I'm not trying to be, uh, Scared, scary here, but Christians are being killed all over the world in places where they're serving God. One, one of our saints, I, I won't even go into it. I'm, I, I, sometimes I can't even tell. I was preaching somewhere and, 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 and they were telling me how they got the Holy Ghost. And they said, please don't tell where you were, Brother French. Please don't tell where you were because if they find out that we're here. One of them said they came and got mom and they dragged her out. And so... So I said, okay, I won't. Got a call. The 4,000 people got the Holy Ghost in a, in a particular area. It was illegal to even be a Christian. And, and I said, well, who started? They said, mom and dad started it. But they've already caught them and they've been executed. So God wanted to put a little pizzazz. So some people would say, oh, well, you see, that's what they do. They look at you. If you're not driving a Lincoln or some kind of supermodel car, they judge you by what you have. I want to tell you, my friend, God judges you by the power that he places in you. And what he does in you, the blood that he shed for you. A trembling church. God said, I'm going to show the devil who's boss. He marches right into the prison. To show Peter the greatest lesson of his life. I think we ought to worship the Lord one more time. Just for a moment here. Hallelujah. So let's go back. Because I'm just starting to preach. I know you, I, I don't, I'm not going to preach long. I want to make sure we didn't get a whole lot of amens there. I'm not going to preach long. When the angel came to Peter. 
Notice how amazed he was. He was walking behind an angel, the Bible says. He'd been arrested. They planned to kill him. They're going to do just like they did James. And the Lord said, no, no, you, you just think that you control the universe. You just think that because you had a little, uh, you were able to take the life of my servant James, that, that that means you can do it again. But no, no, that's not in my plan. He was being led out of the prison by an angel. Oh, how I love how God does things. When, uh, when our, our young son's not here because he's off uh, Thanksgiving trip, but uh, my, when my middle son was born, when he was two years old, they diagnosed him with cancer. And uh, so I don't get to say this often. His wife and they're all away, and he, he probably won't hear the tape. And so, uh, so when John was diagnosed with cancer, the first thing that, that, that hit me was, oh, my goodness, Lord God of heaven. I'm a Jesus name preacher. I believe in healing. I have never had a church service where I did not anoint somebody with oil and pray for healing. I've had people on, on Tuesday night. I had a young man walk up to me, and, he's, and I'm going to say what he said. If you don't like it, uh, check, check with the folks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Uh, he said to me, Pastor. I said, yes, sir. I didn't, uh, he said, I, 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 I'm a Baptist. And I said, oh, hallelujah, let me shake your hand. I never had anybody just announce their denomination first. And he said, but, I, but I'm a Baptist. And I said, oh, hallelujah, thinking, well, that's good. But he said, I was talking in tongues in the altar. I said, oh, I see. He said, yes, I used to be a Baptist. I said, not anymore. No, because now you're a tongue talker. You see, he said, nobody did anything. I was just lifting my hands and all of a sudden I began to speak in other tongues. I want to tell you, the devil hates it when God's people trust him in the midst of their discouragement. He knows God knows what's best. He didn't send an earthquake to deliver the apostle Peter. He did later. He didn't float him up into the, into the clouds or translate him, meaning take him from one place to another like in Jack's chapter 8. But he led him out, took an angel. Now, look at the Apostle Peter. He wist not or didn't know, meaning for sure. He was like, this seems awfully real, but I, maybe this isn't real. Maybe. Listen, if you, some of you judging him, I want you to come to me when an angel wakes you up in prison and says, get up and get dressed. So he was thinking, is this real? Is this, is this really happening? When our son was sick, the Lord spoke to Sister French. Sister French, do you feel better today? You feel a lot better? You're already planning the ladies' meeting, and so... But I remember when the Lord spoke to Sister French, and I don't know why he didn't speak to me. Don't look at me like that. And Sister French said, the Lord told me what to do. <laughs> he told us what to do. 
We're supposed to get him out and take him to this service over there. It's a long way off. And I said, honey, that's a long way. We're never going to let us do it. We're never going to be able to travel that far with this little boy that's on chemo. But God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. And so the first thing I said was, well, we have a church right here, and we're praying. Our church was praying because we, we were pastoring in Chicago then. And his friend said, I don't know. I don't know why we have to do it. The Lord just said, go. I said, but I've never been there. I don't know anybody there. She said, well, we have to do it because the Lord said, go there. Does anybody know sometimes God doesn't have to share all the reasons? <laughs> you don't have to know. Hey, folks, you got cancer. You're not asking, well, was it Thursday or, or Friday? You don't say, well, Lord, I can only come on Friday. If you want to be healed on cancer, come on Friday. Sorry, I can, I'm only available on Saturday. I, I don't think anybody would say, I'm not available on Friday. You don't say, Lord, why Friday? Why quick? Why not just take it slow? How many knows that God could have done anything to deliver them? But he said, get up fast. Why? Because God was working in the midst of their own circumstance. And God was getting ready to do something that was going to change their lives forever. It was so amazing that he didn't even know if it was real. Or as the King James Bible says, if it was true. So God is speaking to you right now, to me. I'm feeling emotional in ways I didn't expect. It's time to put your trust and your life in the hands of the God who is almost too good to be true. You see, many people judge religion. Well, that's just pie in the sky. Someone told me that that's the expression. Or another one is, well, when it's almost too good to be true, it can't be true. But I've got news for you. There is a good that is so good, it's hard to believe it. And that's how God is. God is so powerful that you don't think you can be delivered. You think they've got you bound. But those chains are getting ready to break. God is speaking to that need today. It's almost impossible, but it is not impossible. Am I really walking out of prison? You'll say, is this an angel? You'll wonder. The great apostle wasn't sure. Do you hear the Lord? You can serve a God and experience a power that is almost too good to be true. You'll scratch your head. But today, in this Thanksgiving week, God is telling us that he is bigger than your problem. Oh, you say, I can't believe that. Well, that's how it works. It seems unbelievable. In fact, he does the impossible. The doctor says there's no cure, but how knows that God knows the cure? You see, God is bigger. See, it's his voice calling you to believe it. In the worst of storms or the violence of sin, God is still able to work. The reason the angel led Peter out and shook him and called out to him was that he would never forget how he was delivered. 
Praise God. Could you bow your heads with me? I just want us to pray. And ushers, I mean, uh, uh, musicians, come on, real quick. Come on up here for just a moment. So you would see, he wants you to see that his power is so effective that it's almost beyond comprehension. Now, you say, well, I can't believe it just because you said it, preacher. I'm not even used to all this emotion. But God is going to open your mind and your heart in ways that you never thought were possible. So Peter says, he thought, verse 9, perhaps all that was happening in that death trap prison cell and being led out by an angel, supposed to die there. He thought in his mind. He says so right in verse 9. That this was just a vision. And some of you need to get past the idea that it's just a wonderful thought but not actually real. The fact of the matter is what the Holy Ghost is doing today is as real as the pew that you're sitting in. Now here we have a little Greek word. It's called an imperfect. The idea is that he might, he says, maybe I'm experiencing. That's why you use an imperfect in the Greek. To say, I'm in the middle. Like, you wake up and my wife asked me the other day, were you dreaming? Yes, I was in the middle of a dream. That's an imperfect. I was, I mean, maybe he said I was experiencing a vision rather than a real event that was actually going on. So don't you see? The enemy is constantly telling people that he'll make them a king and he'll make them rich and this drug will, will bring all kinds of friends and you'll be cool, you'll be like everybody else. And, and this money, this will satisfy you, but money can't ever satisfy you. And the Lord is telling you today, things can't bring happiness, but God's power can do the impossible in your life. Would you stand with me all across the sanctuary? Now, what we do in this church is we come to the front and pray, and I want to welcome you to come. There's no reason for you not to because we respect you 100%, and you could receive something here today that you're really hungry for. So I'm opening this altar. Saints, would you step out from where you are, and let's come and bring someone. Reach out and ask someone to come if you'd like. You can join us, and I'd like everyone to come if you, if you would. So how about this? Hollywood isn't real. The rich and the famous, they aren't even happy. But the angel was real. Hallelujah. So what we need today is as genuine as it gets. Keep coming. Just keep coming as they get ready to sing this. So don't leave your hopes and dreams behind the prison bars. God is here to set you free. The devil's plan is to keep you back. But get up and follow the plan of God for your life. One angel put hell's plans on an eternal hold. God stepping into your life and your troubled world. And he's reaching out and telling you to move forward because God is able. Could you lift your hands with me all across? Come on, from wall to wall. Let's just lift our hands in praise to the Lord. Y'all go ahead and sing that. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, that's it. I want to pray for you right now. Lift that other hand and just tell the Lord, Father, I want you to lead me from my prison cell.
want you to lift me out of my behind these prison bars. Give me hope.